I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Monica Banky. Your co-hosts for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We have a special episode today. We're excited to introduce our listeners to Forrester's Ask a Sales Leader podcast, hosted by Vice President and Group Director Phil Harrell. Every two weeks, Phil will interview top sales leaders to dig into the best practices that are helping them succeed. For today's episode, we'll chat with Phil about what listeners can expect from Ask a Sales Leader, and then we'll turn to our topic of what sales leaders should look for in tech to help their reps reach their highest potential. Welcome, Phil. Thanks, Jen. Excited to be here. So can you share just a little bit more about what you're going to be diving into um, in your podcast? Yes, really excited about it. Uh, Sales leaders historically have really been interested to hear from other sales leaders, people that are in the trenches, um, you know, leading sales organizations, and they learn a lot from one another. So we thought we could add a lot of value to the sales leadership community by interviewing sales, top sales leaders, really trying to understand some of the best practices that they're implementing to build and run their sales teams. And we think by doing that, uh, we'll provide a lot of value to to sales leaders uh, across the uh, across the spectrum. In this podcast, we're really looking forward to talking to sales leaders across a range of different companies in terms of sizes and a range of different industries. So uh, we'll be interviewing sales leaders from companies that are in the billions of dollars, in the companies in the tens of millions of dollars, uh, companies that have inside sales go-to-market mo- go motions, companies that have you know enterprise sales motions, with the idea of really giving a broad view for sales leaders out there in terms of what their, their colleagues are doing and some of the challenges they're having. And we see a lot of similarities, despite differences in industry or company sizes, there are a lot of similarities, and we believe that sales leaders can learn from one another as they go through those, those changes. Excellent, exciting stuff. Well, let's turn our attention to today's topic, which is sales technology. So maybe a softball, Phil, but what do we mean by sales technology? A lot of tech out in the world, some serving marketers, some serving sales, I'm sure a little bit of both. So when we say sales tech, what specifically do we mean? We mean the sales technologies that are aimed at helping sales organizations be more successful with engaging, you know, earning uh, customers, retaining customers, and growing customers. And so there's been a lot of investment uh, in startups, for example, that are attacking this space. We think that sales tech is very much where maybe marketing tech was 15, 10, 15 years ago, and that people are realizing that up until this point, sales has been very much reliant on the art of selling. And there hasn't been a lot of investment in resources devoted to using technology to make salespeople more productive or customer-facing reps more productive. So we think we're at a very exciting time where there's been a lot of investment interest of saying, how can we apply technology to make sales a lot more predictable, a lot more repeatable, a lot more scalable? And that ultimately is what all stakeholders want. When you think about CEOs or boards of directors, uh, uh, what they're looking for is they want predictability. They want to know that the sales organization has been set up in a way that will allow them to repeat success over and over. And we believe sales technology is going to play a very important role in helping transform sales increasingly in the future. So maybe we can take it a click down. Are there certain maybe categories of of sales technology that you can kind of run through so we can understand the waterfront here? Sure. So we at Forrester obviously cover the sales uh, tech space. We have lots of different categories that we cover. And so when you think about sales tech categories, you think about certain foundational elements or categories such as Salesforce automation. 
where you have companies that obviously are the system of record for all the interactions that are occurring um, for reps and also for opportunities that they're working on. You have categories such as sales readiness, uh, which are helping arm the sales reps and customer facing reps with the the knowledge that's required for them to be successful when they're in front of customers. You have sales content vendors, uh, which is another category that we cover, which is talking about how to make sure that that customer facing reps can access the content that's required to send to their prospects and customers. Their sales engagement, which is helping customer facing reps really like BDRs and SDRs with their cadences in terms of their outreach uh, to, to, uh, to their customers or their prospects. You have configure price and quote, which is helping accelerate uh, the time it takes to build quotes and send them out to customers. Um, you have conversational intelligence, revenue intelligence and operations. So there's a lot of different categories that we cover that are aimed at helping organizations be a lot more efficient and effective with how they engage with their customers and ultimately make that sales organization more productive. Hey, Phil, it sounds like a whole lot of technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it makes me tired hearing it. How okay. does a salesperson determine or a sales executive determine where to start? Um, you know, I, I doubt that there's any sales organizations out there anymore that has nothing. Um, but when do you know it's, I'm just not making good use of what I've got versus I need something more a dif different additional? Um, how, do you, how do you go through that decision support? That's a great question, Monica. And I think what we hear from sales executives is that there's a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of fatigue. Sales leaders are getting inundated by calls from sales tech vendors. Sales operations leaders are getting uh, inundated with calls. And they're all purporting to improve sales productivity, which is clearly a hot button for sales leaders because 90% of a sales budget is typically made up of personnel. Uh, so you have a huge investment in people. And the more productive you can make your people, obviously, that will have a big impact on results. But what really is important is for sales leaders to be very clear eyed about what are the biggest challenges that they're dealing with within the organization uh, and be able to then assess which of these challenges can they address through the use of technology and what impact will that have? So, uh, you know, what impact will it have by addressing that challenge? And then what's the how how confident do they feel they can get that done? within a certain amount of time. So it's thinking about, you wanna really rank and prioritize those projects where you feel like investments in technology will have a major impact in improving some of the challenges and main challenges that you've identified within your sales organization. And you believe you can do this quite, you know, relatively easily in terms of getting the system installed and up and running to help your reps. And that's where you wanna focus your attention first uh, to help you define, because look, we're not saying sales technology is a panacea for everything. Uh, we believe foundationally in our research that we've created called the Insights Driven Sales System Model that at the very core is having well-defined processes uh, that are uh, governed, that are used to define what work should be done, how to do that work, and are interconnected throughout the go-to-market stack with marketing, for example, and customer success. And that's foundational. If you use technology to automate and accelerate bad processes, uh, you will just accelerate bad processes. So foundationally, you have to have the processes in, in place. And then it's saying, well, how do I selectively invest in the right technologies that will address the biggest challenges that my reps are having right now? And that will basically allow them to ultimately be more successful. And so that's it's a big prioritization exercise. Uh, we're not advocating for, for sales leaders just to buy technology willy-nilly and buy one of each within each category is to think very clearly, do I have the processes well-defined? And then on top of that, how do I invest selectively in the infrastructure and the technology that will allow me to automate those processes in a way that will help my people be more successful? 
Phil, you know, it's it's interesting when you talk about that. And one of the things that occurs to me, and I'm really interested in your your view on it, is, you know, traditionally, and I think still even today, sales executives bear the burden of, you know, delivering the revenue on a cadence, whatever it is. It's a monthly, it's it's a quarterly basis, and and they're really have to have to have that weight on them. But some of these technology projects, they they're going to span, you know, multiple quarters, maybe even multiple years, and there there has to be a tension between, you know, putting the resources and the focus on the shorter, relatively shorter term goal of this quarter or this month versus the relatively longer term goal of setting up for long term future success. How does a sales executive make that balance and work with the rest of the C-suite to to help them understand that, you know, we can't put everything into this month because it's it's stealing from the future. And how do they have that conversation and how do they deal with that tension? No, it's a great point, Monica. And we're, we're always dealing with this with our clients. It's very hard because clients, the sales leaders out there that we deal with, they are very focused on making the number uh, for the current fiscal year that they're in because obviously it's job preservation. They want to be in the job the next year. And so if they take on strategic projects and they make big investments um, that take their attention or resources away from actually making the number, uh, that might help the company long term. But sales leaders are focused because they're paid that way and because that's what CEOs, investors want. They're very short term focused on what can I do to help my sales organization ultimately be successful so that uh, we can achieve the number and ultimately I can stay in the job another year. So there is a tremendous amount of tension. And I think where it has to come down to is that sales leaders need to engage with the leaders of the different functions like the marketing executive and the product executive and the customer success executive and make sure that they're bought into uh, that foundationally there are certain types of investments they need to make. If, for example, you're a company and you're a sales leader that you don't have Salesforce automation, you have no Salesforce automation system in place, then that is foundational. It's very hard to run an organization these days effectively without having at the very core a Salesforce automation uh, product in place. So to me, even though that might take longer uh, ultimately, and and might require a big investment. That 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 is foundational. That at the very core, you have to, as a sales leader, put in that put that in place uh, because it's so core to how sales is run today. Even if it takes time. Uh, and so, yes, the sales leaders are always dealing with that tension. They need to engage with their counterparts. They need to make the investment case. They need to continue running that sales organization in the way it is to help uh, their sales leaders, get, uh, sales reps, and sales managers get to the number. But they need to selectively make the investments, even if some of those are longer term. Uh, to to uh, to help them be successful, and they can rely on their sales operations leader and on marketing operations, for example, for the interconnectedness uh, to help them get these investments in place without distracting their current uh, reps and managers. When we were doing our buyer insight study, uh, when Forster did our buyer insight study over the last year, what we found was with technology decisions, the influence and leadership of the IT organization has just shot up tremendously over the last year. And, and what it's starting to point to is more of a balance between our functional leaders and our IT leaders in terms of these decisions with the recognition that you know decisions made out of IT tend to end up with disconnected data and disconnected IT. Are you seeing that kind of phenomenon and are you seeing sales leaders more deeply engaging with CIOs and IT leaders to make these kinds of decisions to set sales up for um, success? Well, I, I think what we see is that 
and the clients I work with and my team works with as analysts, we, we see that actually many companies are trying to figure out how do they actually help their sellers and their customer facing reps engage with line of business owners. One of the biggest challenges that we see out in the market is that uh, many sales leaders have sales teams who are very comfortable engaging, especially when you're talking about high tech products, very comfortable engaging with IT buyers. That's who they historically have sold to. For example, when you're talking about on-prem software products where they're selling to a VP of uh, IT or CIO, or they're, they're selling to a director of, sale, of operations that's running a data center. And now with the advent of SaaS, software as a service, subscription-based models, those companies, many of them are requiring and that, that the need is for their sales reps to go and talk to line of business owners. So I guess we're seeing something slightly different that in many cases, the functional leaders that companies are trying to reach that they believe they have to talk to and, and get buy-in from in order to get a secure, a closed deal, that they're having trouble helping their reskill their sales teams to have those kinds of strategic conversations with the functional leaders uh, that have much more of a say and a lot of cases have the budget for where to make those technology type of purchases. So that doesn't mean that IT is not important. Clearly it is in a uh, IT or technology sale. You've got to engage with the buying group and that includes typically technology folks in the technology organization that are going to assess the, the technology itself and security and all these other factors, scalability, um, things that are that are needed. But, but, but more often than not, we're hearing from our clients uh, in the marketplace that they're having trouble reskilling their sales teams to have more strategic conversations with line of business owners uh, because they're so used to talking to IT. So that's what we're seeing. So now that we've, we, we sort of have the lay of the land um, here in terms of categories and yeah, I guess who's owning the, the tech and what sales leaders need to do to kind of con the considerations of bringing tech into the fold. Can you maybe get a little bit more specific as to you know, these types of, or the categories of the technology and how they can um, assist sales leaders and their organizations. Yes, definitely. You know, one of the things that's really important when you're investing in technology is to look at it through the lens of three things. You know, part of the insights-driven sales system, we talk about the need for process. On top of that, you install infrastructure that generates insights and those insights then enable a broad spectrum of your reps to be successful and it lessens the reliance on just the hero reps and the ability to just hire great reps and not worry about it. And when we talk to leaders about investing in infrastructure, we, we ask them in process anything to look at it through the lens of three things. One is, uh, is, is your uh, investment technology, is it buyer-centric? Are you putting the buyer at the center of every investment you make to say, how is this going to make them, uh, it may make it easier for the buyer to investigate and decide to go with a solution? Secondly, is the technology investment you're making seller friendly, meaning is it helping your seller, your customer facing reps be more uh, responsive and add more value to the buyer during their buyer's journey? And third, is it integrated? Does that technology uh, actually, is it going to be integrated not just within the sales tech stack, but is it going to be integrated across the go-to-market uh, tech stack? So you think about the marketing tech stack, the customer success tech stack to ensure that that data is being shared holistically throughout the go-to-market. And we find that that's one of the most important things when you think about how to be successful in this new age, when buyers are much more digitally savvy, they're engaging in the digital sphere much more actively, that you've got to have at foundational level, a 360 degree view and a shared view of your customer from every interaction they have with your organization, from whether it's just downloading a white paper all the way through to when they engage with your reps, to when they become a customer and they're engaging with the product, that all has to be shared uh, and, and you know, throughout the go-to-market 
uh, revenue engine so that so that the co- company can do a really good job of personalizing interactions with that with that uh, buyer and to provide them with the best in class experience. So when you start to think about it through that lens, you start to see, wow, once foundationally you're capturing all this data and you've broken down these silos for marketing and sales and customer success, and you have one source of truth from a data perspective, then you can start to use those insights to help your reps and your managers. Obviously you can help marketing too, but just focusing on the sales organization that you can do things with reps, for example, you can start to give them real time next best action recommendations because you're capturing the seller activity of all your reps, you're capturing the interactions with buyers, what the response was to what was sent to them, for example, from a content perspective, that can help you learn what do best reps do and how do we make recommendations to reps in terms of what they should do next to engage the buyer in a way that is productive. You do things like automated data entry. So freeing reps up from having to do that that uh, task of entering data. No rep wants to be data entry clerk. Uh, it's very repetitive, uh, but the data is critically important. There's so much exciting things, so many exciting things going on with technologies that automate data entry. So it's captured automatically through looking at calendars, for example, uh, and figuring out you know what meetings you're having, how many emails you're sending, what phone calls were happening. That helps with time prioritization. So there's some really good insights that are generated once you have this integrated tech stack. You've made the right investment. Insights start to bubble up that you can leverage to help reps. From a sales manager perspective, there's in-moment coaching. So you can actually help managers understand here are the needs of each of your reps. Here are three or four uh, calls that they've been on. Here's some of the things they did wrong. You should coach them on this, these aspects to make them better. You can give them really good insight as managers on how to improve uh, productivity and performance insight. You can help them tailor their onboarding and development of their new hires that they bring on board. So you're really going to help those sales managers free up their time as well to reduce the amount of time they spend on forecasting and meetings so they can spend more time actually delivering insights and making their reps better and more productive. From a vice president of sales, you can help them with things like robust forecasting. Forecasting has always been very difficult for uh, managers and VPs of sales to really understand what's going to happen in that current month or that current quarter. There's some very exciting technologies that look at the data from a data perspective, gather a lot of data, look at the engagement of the buyer during the opportunity engagement to say this is this buyer truly is interested by the signals they're sending, the emails are opening, by the fact that they're responding to uh, messages that they're representing to help really understand whether or not this is a forecastable deal. Uh, so that really helps. It helps with faster replication of success. So you can, as a VP of sales, you can look across your sales organization and say, this is what the best reps are doing. How do I motivate uh, reps across the spectrum to do these things because this is what leads to success. So there are some just some examples from uh, the roles that that within sales that are going to benefit or are benefiting. And sorry, right now, and will continue to benefit as more technology and more insights are delivered to help really make sales ultimately more precise. Uh, and you know, one of the things we launched at Summit this year was called the Five P's of Sales, which was talking about the future of sales. And one of those P's is precision. That the idea that sales has to become more precise. And through the use of insights, sales can start to hone in on what are those buyers that are really in market that we should spend time and invest in? How do we make sure we allocate our resources in a way that will allow us to pursue those and add value to that buyer during every interaction? And ultimately, that should make sales more productive and more successful. So just some examples that are currently happening. It's a very exciting time. And you can hear that passion in my voice from from what sales technology can do to help sales organizations be more productive. You know, what, it, what does it do to the, the sales rep, like the feet on the street and the kind of talent 
and the you know the way that the, those people are wired, even the persona, because it seems like you know that the kind of person you would hire as a sales rep might start to change, or the capabilities, or the the you know what we're looking for in a sales rep might start to change, given this you know kind of different environment that they're working in. I think it does. I think you still need that there's a couple of key traits of being successful in sales that I think are still going to be needed uh, today and in the future in terms of sales to be successful. I think that desire to that that desire to to sort of win and the competitive desire of, of getting out there and making things happen, um, that that uh, passion, that curiosity, uh, those have always been things that are very important to being successful in sales. I think. Uh, some of the newer ones are organizational skills. I think that the ability to navigate multiple applications, to navigate the use of data, probably more on the science side to understand and use data than has ever been used before, is is going to be much more is important more important today than it was 20 years ago, and will continue to improve in importance. Uh, so that you as a rep, you know, you know what you're supposed to be doing every day, uh, and you know you're using data and insights to help direct uh, where you spend your time and investment in terms of the people you engage and things like that. So I think those are some new things that are coming. Um, but I think what's exciting about this, some people can look at this technology and AI and be threatened by it, akin to where bank tellers were, you know, back in the 80s when, uh, when the banked uh, ATMs were rolled out, there was a call that you know, a lot of these uh, bank tellers were going to be out of business. And now there's more bank tellers than there were back then. I think it changes the nature of the job. So ultimately, reps are going to focus more time on using their cognitive ability and problem solving ability. And a lot of that repetitive non-value add type of things will be offloaded from their plates. Uh, which I think is going to be a positive thing. And I think the reps that that uh, are going to be able to leverage this technology and harness it and use data are going to spend better, have, have better conversations and spend more time getting to know their, their uh, prospects and customers at a much deeper level and add a lot more value throughout that buyer uh, buyer's journey than they ever had before because they're going to have those insights to be able to do that. So I, I think it changes the nature of the job, but I think it's in a very positive way. Uh, and uh, I think think those reps that capture that are going to have a huge advantage. So if you put on your predictions crystal ball hat, if we have sales reps that are more productive and more precise and, and more of them are making quota, do we need less sales reps in the future? Is it is it a job, maybe not going away, but a job that is going to have less open positions than it, it does today or has in the past? I think nature changes. I'm going to say something that sounds contradictory. I, what we're telling our clients is the, the first order inclination for any sales organization historically has been if you want to make your number for the following fiscal year, invest in more headcount. So you you want to make 10%, 20% growth, just add a certain number of quota carrying salespeople, and that will allow you to get to your number. Um, so, so ultimately... Uh, what we're telling clients to do is to rethink that and say, look, you got to be more strategic in terms of investments. Can you get to your number in growth without adding as much headcount in terms of can you add you know, enablement uh, investments? Can you add sales support resources? Can you add technology that will allow you to get to that number in a lot more efficient way? than maybe just adding more headcount. Uh, right now, there's 700,000 jobs. There was a Wall Street Journal article a couple of months ago uh, that there are 700,000 jobs, uh, sales jobs that are going have gone unfilled right now, uh, which is a lot. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a trend where you, you're using technology to offload the more re uh, repetitive, 
lower value deals where a buyer can do that on their own. They don't need to talk to a human to be able to do it on their own. But I think what that's going to do is going to push reps to focus more on the more complex transactions uh, where there's multiple buyers involved, where there are bigger deals, where their 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 cognitive abilities or problem solving abilities, their knowledge of the industry or of that buyer is going to be even more important than it was before. So I think the net net is you're not going to see a huge reduction in the number of reps that are required in the future. Uh, uh, I, I do think that uh, it's still going to be a profession where you'll have uh, you know lots of great job openings. And I'm a big fan of sales, by the way, I, as you guys know, and I really believe it's, it's in a lot of people's best interest. I would advocate for uh, people entering their careers to start as, as, a, as a, in sales, because anytime you're doing a customer facing role, you get to learn a ton about what it means uh, to engage with customers and how difficult that is. Even if you decide to go into different function functional groups in the future, the fact that you've engaged with uh, in, with customers and had firsthand experience is, I think, tremendously valuable to uh, to people entering their career. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think I think there is. I often say, you know, everything I ever learned, I learned from being a sales rep. <laughs> it's yeah, like it's then, then it, it applies to every career that I've, I've had or every every position that I've had. So. Totally support you on that. Phil, as we close out this conversation, you know, what is your guidance to, to sales leaders as they're considering tools and technology to support an insights-driven you know, sales system? Are there sort of top things that come to mind or top sort of pressure checks that they, they should be considering um, before, you know, moving forward with um, a piece of technology? Yes, assess your sales organization through the lens of the processes you have, the current infrastructure that you have, the ability to generate insights from that infrastructure that can help your sellers, and then the talent you have. And and first do that, take a, a base level assessment. We've got an assessment tool that can help, that helps our clients do that, where they can assess themselves on process, infrastructure, insights, and talent. And then from there, dig in and prioritize what are the processes that we need to uh, fix most urgently that will yield the biggest return on our resources. And then look at technology and infrastructure in the same way, which is what investments do we need to make in the technology stack that will allow us to um, have the biggest bang for our buck and solve some of the bigger challenges, but that will ride on top of those processes and make those processes uh, more effective and, and automate those things and accelerate those things. So I think that's the, the hardest thing and it's to do it in a deliberate way. It's so easy as a VP of sales right now just to buy lots of technology and then, and then look at your tech stack and say, oh my gosh, I've got all kinds of technology all over the place. It's not even integrated with each other, much less with the marketing stack. So I think you have to be very strategic and deliberate in the way you assess your current process infrastructure, insights and talent, and then prioritize within each of those categories what you're going to work on to get you a, a big return on your, on your time and your investment so that you can impact uh, your results in the current fiscal year and obviously beyond. So that's what I'd recommend. That's what we recommend to our, to our clients. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.